Welcome to Pop Culture Hangfire with Christian and Gabriel. The podcast where we catch up my friend Gabriel on everything he missed because he was being homeschooled and kept away from pop, pop culture. Today, he's not alone being cut up. guest today is an alumni from the Miami Salsa Congress, a world <laughs> a world traveler, top-notch karaoke singer, and the first man I ever saw wearing barefoot shoes. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend, Peter. Cue the applause. <laughs> Welcome, hey, Peter. Thank you for, thank you for joining us. How are you doing, sir? Doing okay. Don't be nervous, by the way, Peter. All right, only six people listen to us. You're fine. <laughs> and My coffee hasn't kicked in yet. So. And to those six people, thank you very much. We appreciate you so much. All right, so the year is 2000. Vladimir Putin is inaugurated president of Russia. Montgomery Ward announces it is going out of business after 128 years. eHarmony, the online dating site, is launched. And Netflix begins to rent DVDs. Or is so, renting DVDs. So far, I'm familiar with all of these things. I figured Montgomery Ward might have been a thing that like your mom was allowing you yeah, to she go did. to. <laughs> she, she Montgomery Warded. Uh, this is also the same year that Blockbuster um, misses out on buying out Netflix. Uh, oh, yeah. It, or, it, what would go down is a historic mistake. $5 million was the asking price in 2000 for wow. Netflix. And Blockbuster was like, nah, bruh. We're good. Pass. I would, so, I would have ponied up $5 million. I mean, but you're already like alone. the number one, you know, rental business in the country. Who would who have been able to see that 20 years later, um, you would have one store in Anchorage that Gabe's mom goes to, you know? Wait, is it Anchorage? There, I think that, I think that one closed. I, was the last <laughs> one in Oregon now? There was like one. I think that might even have closed. I saw some headline not that long ago, like the last one they said was closed. I don't know. I think it's I think it's there, but like as a tourist spot, it's not. It doesn't actually. I don't know if it rents anymore. Is that the one that John uh, that John Oliver sent uh, Russell Crowe's crotch piece from Gladiator <laughs> to? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> Peter, tell us about your upbringing between like those formative years, right? Like teens, basically, to your late teens. What was going on in your life? Yeah. So I. Uh, my dad was in the army. He's in army for 26 years, so we moved around quite a bit. 26 so, years. Um, lived in. Yeah, he he would have kept going if he didn't hit 65. So um, they they're like, you, you gotta go, you gotta. But he's still he was good. He was outrunning his you know his soldiers three miles every day. He you know it's crazy. You know, even now he walks like five miles every day, even in the cold. He's like 81, so God bless him. I can't even get me to go downstairs and you know do the laundry, right? Um, but uh, around that time, my formative years, so I lived in Puerto Rico for almost 10 years, um, even when I was in college. So I, I was in uh, Germany, Maryland, Chicago, um, and then I ended up going through puberty in Puerto Rico. And so that really formed my tastes in an unexpected ways um 
and uh, you know, from the types of music I listen to. And that was my next question. You're in an army base. Uh, you're in Puerto Rico. What is like available to you guys as far as like how aware are you of what's going on in the world, what's going on in America, and things like that? I mean, when I moved, that was '92, uh, so that was Dream Team was in the Olympics, <laughs> killing everyone, right? Um, good, good. Yes, and, you know, we had, we had, we. I still had HBO. Um, but most of the channels we had were, you know, Puerto Rican news channels or Univision, yeah, Telemundo, right? Um, Sabado, and Sabado Gigante. We didn't, we didn't, yeah, exactly. We didn't have, uh, we had MTV, and but then we had The Box. I don't know if you're familiar with The Box. No. It's where you would, it's basically like a jukebox TV. You call a number and pay like two bucks so you can have whatever, uh, thirst trap of a video you want played for you so like um college girls are easy men and booty girls you know anything with you know any salsa song or merengue song where girls are shaking their hips that was where any guy would get their fix right so for a 12 year old boy like me that's that's the channel i was watching <laughs> so fast forward to 2000 what is going on in your life in 2000 where are you yeah so i um I moved, I, I moved to Philadelphia for college. So I was uh, 2000 and I'm 20 years old, 19 years old, second year of college. Unsure if the, the major that I picked, computer science, was the right major for me. And, you know, you're, you're at that middle point where you're like, I'm too far into my classes to change. So do I just stick with this or do I just, you know, leave? I don't know. You know, I'm far away from my parents. I have a new set of friends, um, and but we're all kind of doing our own thing and trying to figure out who we are, you know. And um, halfway through computer science, I had a girlfriend at the time. Oh, look um, at you bragging! Yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, unsh again at that time, you know, I'd unsure what I wanted, and you know, I was excited to have a girlfriend in college. Right, that's like you check the boxes. I got college, girlfriend in college. I don't have my driver's license yet because. You know, I don't need a car in college, at least the campus I was on. You know, I would get that a year later, you know, check that off. And uh, but get... at, at that point, I was also really pretty straight edge other than alcohol. I did not touch any any substances yet. So there, there's plenty of time for you. Don't worry, Peter. <laughs> there was plenty of time. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. And Gabe, where, where, what about you in 2000? What's your, what's your life looking like? So in 2000, I am uh, 12, living in Rancho Cucamonga. Got that just shy of an acre of uh, yard to play in. So I, uh, I'm still outside a lot. So we know it's a different era in my life as opposed to now. Yeah, it's it's exciting. Um, 2000, we, we just survived Y2K. That was... That was something we had prepared for. And as a, as a kid, watching people wonder what's going to happen, it really makes you wonder because adults seem like they have a handle on things until they don't, which, you know, in retrospect, they do, they just don't have a handle on things. So that's comforting. Yeah. So it's good. It's good to be it's good to be getting older, trying to think about how things are going to go. So uh, 2000, I am uh, 20 years old, living my bestest life. Uh, just... Um unsure if I made the right decision of having joined the Marines because um, senior Marines are a bit of a dick. Because of all the yelling. 
No, no, the yelling I was fine with. It was all the hazing that I was not okay Hazing's with. Hazing's problematic. You know? It, it, this was the year that I was still, like, trying to prove myself before I became the number one gunner on my, on my team and basically just started riding that high forever. I was in a little, little state where, where I was like, did I do the right thing? Are these people supposed to talk to me this way? Um, so that was my life in 2000. I was very much trying to figure myself out. So uh, from the last episode that you mentioned Y2K, somebody asked me, uh, "What you know? How was your how was your New Year's 1999?" And I was like, "I don't even remember. I'm pretty sure I was in LA with my family, but we did not take Y2K as seriously as most people did, <laughs> or at least the percentage of people who did take it serious." I think it was less about like taking it serious and more just about this like, you know, there there was a certain amount of you know of the usual fear mongering in the media so this whole like oh could something bad happen and like are you ready and so like we had like the only thing we really had that i know of for sure is those we had these um so obviously again my grandparents had a, a reasonable amount of property and the house was set up in this l where there was the main house and then there was like a uh a, 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 a casita and the the roof like was attached there was this little breezeway that was covered and in there we had like i don't know like four of these like I don't know how many, like, 100-gallon drums of water. 400 gallons of water. It's something like that. And it was, it was, what the crazy part here is, like, it wasn't even, like, it was, like, specifically good water. Like, we filled it up from the hose. So, like, I guess maybe <laughs> someone thought the, the, the water would stop running. I think that was the least of things that people were worried about. Well, according, general. according to the movie Tremors, you could have lived off of water alone for at least three to five days before. Uh, oh, for sure. Water. Yeah. Water. You could live for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Like a couple of weeks if you got water. Yeah. So somebody mentioned that and I was like, yeah, no, I, I don't. I didn't even give uh, Y2K a second, uh, a second thought. I was like, Ugh, OK, uh, somebody will figure it out. There's a nerd out there who will figure this out for us. Yeah. So ab about that. Right. So like, you know, <laughs> computer science. Right. Um, a, a lot of people around me were like programmers, like uh, leading up to that. And I was like, so what, what are you doing this summer? And he's like, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to work on Wall Street as a computer programmer. And I'm like, as an intern, like, like when you're a first year in college, like, what do you know about computer programming? And he's like, I don't know, but they're paying me $150 an hour to work on this Y2K thing. And I was like, how do I get that? Like, <laughs> like even now, I'm like, how do I get that? Can, can right. I go back? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, Latinos, we did not even, like, we were all like, mm, technology, it's not real. <laughs> I feel like if there was a comparable thing now that you could take kind of seriously, I'd probably be more like more reasonably like as a as a, as a kid my perspective was like is this going to interrupt my playing video games somehow and since i didn't really play online like unless the power went out like i really wasn't sure that it bothered me hmm. you know so that was i don't your, remember that was your question yeah. is this going to affect my video games because uh <laughs> yeah that was pretty because i don't think the water's going to fix my video games guys right like you, I should, mean, you great. should see my parents when they uh when they can't find their fire stick control like <laughs> bedlam <laughs> um, all right, so with the year 2000, we're going to talk about movies first. In the year 2000, the first X-Men movie comes out. It makes $296 million worldwide and basically starts what we now have as like the, you know, the MCU. Did either of you watch that when it came out or was it a later thing? 
I think I did. Like, I, I didn't see it. I didn't go see it in theaters, but I think I saw it like real shortly after. Yeah, I, I saw it. I saw it in the saw it in the theater. Yeah, I got to see um, Beta Cyclops. Beta, right? <laughs> Cyclops being Beta. <laughs> uh, actually, I thought you were going to. I thought you were going to say got to see Hugh Jackman and Wolverine. Uh, but no, yeah, no, same here. I, I I remember it came out. I was you know I was a I was a comic book guy, so this was so much fun. Um, here's a fun fact though about the casting of, of Wolverine that I found out. So Hugh Jackman was not the first option for I think obvious roles. I think we were all like, mm, he looks a little tall. <laughs> but this one's gonna this one's gonna get you, Gabe. Uh Glenn Danzig had actually originally signed on to be Wolverine because his build and look matched Wolverine's at the time, you know, like 98, 99 when they started uh casting for it. So Glenn Danzig uh, was going, had like, was being interested and actually spoke to them, but it was, he was like, nah, I'm out. Then Russell Crowe was actually considered, and he said, no, but I've got a friend, uh, Hugh Jackman, that you should look into. And they were like, Hugh, Hugh Jackman is nobody, so no. They went to Viggo Mortensen, and they offered him the role. And Viggo Mortensen's son was vocal about the character's appearance and he's like my dad doesn't look like wolverine you should not do this movie dad and then they and then they uh and then the other thing is uh, mortison was a little apprehensive about signing multiple uh movie deal because if you signed on you were going to be wolverine for the next you know three movies basically like they were already planning that 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 they had they would have had him on contract for the next three years you know three to five years so he like for his for his for his own career, was like, no, no, I'm good. Um, then they went to somebody named Dudley Gray, who was uh, in the Douglas Gray, Doug Gray, du no, Doug Gray Scott, Doug Gray Scott, sorry, Doug Gray Scott. He ends up being in the Mission Impossible movies, and because of those movies and some injuries, he's actually not able to be that. Three weeks before the start of the filming, Hugh Jackman joins and becomes Wolverine. That's why. That's why he just continues to get. And, and more and more shredded as the as the series goes on, they didn't give him yeah. time. The first movie, he's like in good shape, but he's not in in part two is, Wolverine no. like shape. My God, High Fidelity comes out in two thousand. Peter, you're nodding that you've seen it, but Gabe, High Fidelity. Okay, so High Fidelity no. stars John Cusack, Jack Black, and Lisa Bonet has a pretty good appearance in it. A good, but it's a story of a a music loving man. Uh, who has trouble with women and after being dumped by his long-term girlfriend uh, he tries to understand why his relationships have failed so it's one of those movies where he breaks the fourth wall and talks to the camera and talks about all his exes and why they weren't working out and there's great flashbacks um really really good movie really really good movie uh peter yeah, Catherine Zeta-Jones is uh, is one of the girlfriends. One of the ex-girlfriends. That's right. She's the the arts the artsy girlfriend that he thought like he was never good enough for, and then he sabotaged his relationship he, because when, of it. When he yeah, when he sees her, he's like, oh, she stayed the same, and I've moved past her. That was like hit one of his realizing moments. I don't know if you're gonna watch this, <laughs> catch up, but. <laughs> and Tim Robbins has a um, has a great cameo too. Yep. He's the the, the new boyfriend of a, of his ex-girlfriend. 
Yeah, but not only does he love music, he owns a record store. He owns a record right? store, yeah. That's, and that's where that Jack Black's the, uh, character comes in. Jack Black's character really steals that movie, man. He's like, he's the person you remember from that movie. He's so, he's so good in that yeah. one. But yeah, he's cons- trashing on people for like in uh, Stevie Wonder. Right? Uh, uh, I know, like there's a customer that comes in and he goes, uh, I'm looking for a record for my son. And he says the name of the record. And he, and he says, obviously, you don't know your son. Get out of the store. <laughs> But they're always the the one of the the themes of the movie is like uh, top five best you know like songs about this records about this, and when the main character's talking about his you know his uh, his story, he's talking about like top five ex girlfriends you know like and it, it all kind of goes really well together and uh, really great movie though really great movie it's considered number four hundred and forty sixth of the greatest films uh, in the top five hundred of greatest films of all time. It's it's up there. It's a good movie, and then we have an, a movie that when I saw it, I was blown away by by it because I had not seen anything like it. But Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon comes out in two thousand. Now both of you are nodding, so you've both seen it. Okay, great. So I'll just go into the facts that I have about the movie. Right. So it starts to- Cho Young Fat and Michelle Yeoh, and it's directed by Ang Lee. Ang Lee would go on to direct the first Hulk movie that was interesting. <laughs> Um, but then he also directs one of the greatest movies of all time, which is Brokeback Mountain. Makes me cry every time. Willing to admit it. Don't care. Um, Lee has been, uh, Ang Lee has been nominated for nine Academy Awards. Uh, three that he's won. For that movie, he won Best Foreign Film. Uh, with a budget of $17 million, it made $213 million worldwide. Uh, grossed $120 Eight million in the U.S. alone, becoming the highest-grossing foreign language film produced uh, for a se- uh, overseas in America. Again, nominated for ten Academy Awards: Best Picture, a one for Best Foreign Film, Best Direction, Best Original Score, Best Cinematography. I mean, receiving the most nominations ever for a non-English film of all uh, at the time. Just a crazy. I remember watching this movie, and I, I was uh, dating. Um, a Korean girl at the time, and she, you know, she was like, we should go see this movie. I had not seen any previews for it, didn't know anything about it. I was blown away how well made that movie was. It was beautiful. It was a gorgeous movie. It just, it was so good, and I've watched it probably a dozen times since it's come out, at least. Any any thoughts to share? Yeah, I, I think that was, that was the first time I had really, you know, I didn't really watch, um, you know, watch Bruce Lee growing up, but I didn't watch like these like wushu type of flying with the cables. And so like, that's what like really blew me away. It was like, how did they, how did they do this? Like, like I didn't know they had wires and stuff. So I was just like, this is, this is crazy. Yeah, no, I was, yeah. That, that, I think that was the, that was my introduction to, to that like style of uh, wiring choreography. It was insane. That little scene where they're like jumping from the, the, the bamboo tree to another tree. My God, it was beautiful, beautiful movie. Yeah, I think similarly, I'd seen uh, a lot of, I'd seen Jackie Chan, and I saw, I know I'd seen some other of Chai and Fat's performances, but like this definitely was the, uh, in that style, the most outrageous with the jumping around and stuff. And it's just, and again, it's done so artfully that it's, it's 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 not silly you know exactly it wasn't it, it could crazy. easily be silly because i've seen since then of course i've seen you've seen some but it's just silly the way they do and you're like okay 
but this is just so artful that like it it works yeah no i agree i think that's a really great way to put it they did it so well that it didn't look it didn't look weird it didn't look like uh, like they were introducing something new it was just like this is what we do here now and we're like yeah i guess we do because it looks so great <laughs> um moving on to tv shows so popular tv shows of 2000 you have law and order everybody loves raymond and the practice tv shows that ended in 2000 do either of you remember a show called sliders that sounds familiar all right so uh starring jerry o'connell it uh, was on tv for five years from 95 to 2000 and it, this is actually a really good cool premise now back then i think they were ahead of their time because it follows a group of people who could travel through a wormhole into different parallel universes and so they like whatever hometown they were in they would go into this wormhole and they would slide sliders into this parallel universe and they got lost and every episode they would go into another parallel universe of the exact same so they would see the, the exact same people except in that universe they were different to the point where like uh, i think jerry o'connell has a twin and they used him in the show a ton when he would run into himself in the other in the other world it was really a good show it really was i remember watching it a lot and again like when you think about it now you're like these guys were doing parallel universes back then. Now it's a cool thing. That's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, that was again well done. It was actually a well done show. Um, another one that that ended, and this is I mentioned because it's kind of a a bit of a a deep cut. So, are you guys familiar with the band Tenacious D? Tenacious D, right? Jack I'm gonna Black? go see them uh, later yeah. this year again. Oh, don't brag! Don't brag! Nobody likes a bragger. Um, so back in the, back in 97 to 90 to 2000, they had a TV show on HBO where it was like, um, it was like a fictional real life comedy, uh, about the, the, the group Tenacious D and what they did. And it's, it's, yeah, they had an HBO TV show where Tenacious D lived out their lives. It's almost like flight of the Concords, you know, like that type of style. Uh, where it would follow them around and, you know, this is their life as Tenacious D. But that was on HBO for three years before it, and it ended in 2000. I thought that was uh, that was very cool. Uh, but I remember watching it, and then, uh, obviously, when the first Tenacious D album came out, I was like, this is the most amazing thing ever. They are the greatest band in the world. <laughs> <laughs> they are spectacular. I didn't even know they ever had a TV show. What, the, what haven't they done, I guess is the question. Right, because they did a movie, Pick of Destiny. Yeah, but yeah, so that ended in 2000. Now, a show that started in 2000. Now, tell me if you recognize this this theme song. Wait for it. Okay, does that sound familiar at all? I definitely think I've heard it. Like that's I can't place it, but Pete, I'll be honest, I'm stumped. Okay, in 2000, it originally aired for 3 seasons on MTV and prompted 6 movies. Jackass is launched in 2000. Normally you would hear this is Johnny Knoxville 
And then he would do a stunt, and then the song would come on, basically. That started in 2000. And, like, I think th there's a movie coming out. There's, like, Jackass Forever there's, coming out. Yeah. Like, 20 years later, these oh, guys man. are still beating the hell out of themselves up. That's insane. I remember watching the, the TV show and then watching... Because I think the TV show... The first ones I remember was the little crocodile biting Johnny Knoxville in the nipple. And yeah. then and then him shooting himself with a uh, with a... A 44 on a vest and that nobody wanted to do it so he had to do it to himself yeah. i remember those were the early stunts and then i remember watching the movie I, dude i remember going um to jackass too and i and my brother um hates going to movies um and he hates going to the theater for some reason so i, I drag him over there to go to the movies and it's jackass too and you know i'm laughing and then there's the oh, there was a there's a scene where it's a little town and you're, and it's a close up on the little town, right? Or the little house. And then you just see this enormous turd just fall. And this dude is just shitting on this house. And, <laughs> and I was, I, I was laughing, but I was like, Oh fuck. My brother thinks I'm a fucking idiot. Probably. <laughs> the one movie I dragged going to movies with you again. <laughs> exactly. The one movie I, I am able to convince him to go out to. And it's just, I was like, God damn it. But there was a moment, I, I, I'm telling you, 20, like, you know, this was maybe 15 years ago. I still remember that moment of like, fuck, why did I do this? <laughs> <laughs> that about sums it up, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, 2000, we also have another TV show start that I used to love watching. MTV Cribs starts in 2000. Did either, either of you guys watch that show? knew of it did not yeah. watch didn't i didn't get to watch mtv i'm sure it was a bad influence probably was it's like the the new version of lifestyles and the rich and famous right with leech no what was his name robin leech robin leech yeah. so yeah so mtv cribs um originated on mtv and it was basically touring the private homes of celebrities the show was on for five years um and they were able to see Actors, athletes, I think uh, like 185 episodes ended up happening. But I think it, the show came back a couple of times um, based on that. Now, when I watched it, I was like, oh, my God, these people's homes are amazing. There was a controversy that came up where several celebrities w either were accused of or admitted that they were using other people's property and claiming it <laughs> as their own in order to like show off that lavish lifestyle. For example, the house that Ja Rule used uh, was in a lawsuit because the interior of the property was damaged during the party scene that they recorded. The first MTV Cribs episode was Robbie Williams. I remember this because they did a tour and he had a fucking castle. And you're like, what the hell? So anyway, uh, it turns out that the castle... What didn't actually belong to him? He was renting it from... The Black Knight. <laughs> Jane Seymour. Close. Captain of the one of the Star Trek ones, right? Jane Seymour? Um, Jane, you mean like... Oh, was she Medicine Woman? Medicine Woman. Wasn't she also a captain in the Star Trek uh, universe? That's a different, different girl. Different woman. Damn. Maybe. So yeah, so it turns out it was her home and... He was renting it from her when they did uh, MTV Cribs. <laughs> this is a good one. 50 Cent MTV Cribs episode. 
showed him with three Ferraris, a, uh, a red one, a yellow one, and something else, uh, with 50 saying, saying it was his, right? It turns out that all three cars were owned by a private collector who lent them to 50 Cent for music videos and stuff like that. So turns out, you know, it wasn't they weren't his. Um, this is another good one. Kim Kardashian's episode of MTV Cribs was not filmed at her home. The episode shows her mother's home in in Hidden Hills and not Kim's home, which at the time of the episode, uh, it said that it was in Beverly Hills. It was not. So, oh, well, yeah. MTB Cribs lied to all of us. Uh, I mean, I'm just gonna. I want to pretend to be shocked, but you, you can pretend. It's fine. I, I my favorite ones from those episodes are like the ones where you like. I don't know if you remember Red Man's episode where like he lives like he showed his know, apartment in New Jersey house. Yeah, like he has like a like a a mattress on the floor. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that, him. How it, he lived. it was in an apartment, actually, I think in New Jersey, where he was like, yeah, this is where I live. This is my house. <laughs> and it wasn't like prepared and like the, the refrigerator isn't fully stocked or any of that. Yeah, I remember yep. that one. No, not at all. Yeah. And then there was another one. I think it was like an NFL player who just like lived out of a condo. And it was just like, it was like one bedroom. And he's like, this is this is where the magic happens. <laughs> I'm like, all right, okay. <laughs> You're like, they, 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 they needed they needed to find people to, to fill in an episode. So. Gives me hope. <laughs> I could be on TV <laughs> Crip someday. Uh, all right, moving on to people who died in 2000. I think because you were in Puerto Rico, you might know this one, Peter. But Big Punisher, or Big Pun, as he was called in the music industry. Gabe, does he sound? Does he? Does that name sound familiar at all? It does not. Okay. So Big Pun uh, was a Puerto Rican artist. Wait, what's no? Was he Puerto Rican? We'll claim him. Yeah, well, you, you can have him. You can have him. Uh, discovered by Fat Joe, and uh, he released his first album in 1998. Critically acclaimed, commercial success, peaked at number five in the top uh, Billboard 200, and became the first solo hip hop record by a Latino artist to go platinum. Dude made history. Uh, unfortunately, his entire life, he struggled with weight issues and, uh, he suffered a heart attack, uh, due to, and respiratory failure. He died at the age of 28. Damn. And two years after he, he made it. Yeah. Rough. He, he, his weight had peaked at 698 pounds at the time of his death. It is said that his second album, he actually recorded almost like laying down on a bed. They had set up a bed in the recording studio because of that. But his friend, Fat Joe, who we know from the Terror Squad, right, everybody? Everybody? <laughs> yeah. Um, he, that was his inspiration because they were both in the same path. They were both very heavy set uh, Puerto Rican rappers. <laughs> Apparently, they're Puerto Rican now. <laughs> and uh, that was his, like, you know, like, I, I, you know, honor of his friend. Like, he ended up losing a lot of weight so that he wouldn't have, you know, like, he, he wouldn't have the same problem happen to him. But yeah, Big Pun died in 2000. Now, the next individual we're going to talk about, tell me if you recognize this voice. Hey, Vern. It sure is hot up here, Vern. I bet you'd like a cold, smooth, mellow yellow right now, wouldn't you? Yeah, I just bet you would. You know, Vern, there's nothing like a good old cold, mellow yellow when you're all hot and sweaty. I think it sure beats that Mountain Dew. Does that voice sound familiar? 
Yeah. What do you recognize him from, Gabe? Uh, I so there was I, what I had all those movies where he got into hijinks and trouble. <laughs> it makes sense that he did Mellow Yellow as a commercial. Like that's that makes a shocking amount of sense. All right. So the man we're talking about is Jim Varney. Jim Varney. Now he was actually a, an established actor before he be, he created that character of Ernest, who who you were referring to. Um, he was actually a regular cast member on like the Johnny Cash and Friends TV show. Like the dude was a, a, a legitimate actor. He started doing these commercials with this character Ernest, who would always come up to whoever it was like a first person kind of thing. He would always come up to him and he's like, he would have this little line. Hey, Vern, know what I mean, Vern? Like, and it took off. Like it went from like a local, uh, you know, TV show uh, commercial to like nationwide. And he was doing, yeah, like he ended up with like, you know, Mountain Dew, yellow, <laughs> mellow, yellow, Sprite. Yeah. And then, yeah, Ernest goes to camp. Ernest scared stupid. Ernest goes to prison. Like, I think the first yep. three movies were, were theat theatrical releases, and then it was, like, straight to, to video. <laughs> but he made quite a career for himself based on that character. On I that mean, line, specifically. That's the... <laughs> <laughs> really what it is. But, but here's that's what I knew. The, the Slinky Dog. Slinky Dog. That, that's how he ended right. his career. Uh, in, he was in, in Toy Story 1 and 2, a Slinky Dog. Eventually, 3 and 4, uh, his voice was replaced by another actor. But yeah, he was a, uh, a longtime chain smoker. And unfortunately, at the age of 50, he died from lung cancer. Oh. But yeah, when I saw that, I was like, I remember Vernon. I remember watching Ernest Goes to Prison. <laughs> I never saw one of his movies, but I knew the line. <laughs> So that's how it penetrated. It penetrated into my bubble. Dude, he used to sell car insurance, cars, uh, cereal. He there was uh, he would like you know what it, they yellow, also yellow. They also had one yellow, yellow where he. I almost used this one where he was um, promoting uh, Hogan's Heroes on a local TV show. <laughs> and the commercial was like, "Watch Hogan's Heroes on your local broadcast, whatever time it applies." <laughs> oh man, and I knew Hogan's Heroes so. Yeah, I, I was thinking of using that one, but it was a little hokey. It was a little hokey. Oh, yeah, more, more so than this. More so than this one, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, Pete, this one's for you. In 2000, Tito Puente, at the age of 77, dies from a heart attack. Gabriel, does Tito Puente, Tito Puente for, you know, for the, everyone else, uh, does he ring a bell? Is he? Are you familiar with the name at all? Mm -mm. Peter, what do you, what can you tell us about Tito Puente, if you know? Celebrated musician. Mm -hmm. um, he played the timbales, like the <laughs> drum. But I got, I got... He had um, one of his most most famous songs, Oye Como Va. Oye Como Va, which was later... And, um, I got to La see him, yeah, later on. La yeah, well, and later uh, covered by Santana, remember? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Yeah, Santana. Um, I got to see him perform in 99. Did you? In, on my college campus, yeah. I was like out of place but, you know <laughs> people are like what are you what are you doing here i'm like i'm enjoying the music but uh that that concert uh bill cosby came out at the time and like pretended to play an instrument back when bill cosby was cool oh. um <laughs> different Dude, era i'm telling you i picked this because because you know you love salsa and he was he's credited with shaping like 
the sound of Latin jazz for for American, you know, for that transition. But dude, you saw him the year he before he passed. That's wild. Yeah. That yeah. is crazy. And he was playing at your college. Yeah, he like one of the the fine arts like stages. Yeah. That is awesome. And just a just a bunch of l Latin women just watching. Yeah, like old older folks, right? Like <laughs> what? I, like looking back, I imagine they're like Latino professors with like tweed jackets and the patches on the elbow, probably a smoking, you know, a smoking pipe, and then uh, and then me, like shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah. yeah, no, Tito Puente, like I said, uh, you know, uh, musician. Uh, he recorded over a hundred albums in more than sixty years. And he won uh, five Grammys for his uh, for his work. Just a, a, a Latin legend to some of us. Moving on to music. Now, two of these I'm going to mention because I still listen to them. And one is a deep cut to see if you guys know. So the first one will start easy. Coldplay debuts in 2000 with the album Parachutes. I got to tell you, I heard that yellow song and I don't know what came over me, but I was in love. That album, to this day, it is a near-perfect album. I can listen to that album from beginning to end without skipping any songs. It is a really good album. And, and I mean, 21 years later, Coldplay is still making music. That kind of tells you something. But with Coldplay... Oh, fuck. You were in college, so I imagine it was just a heavy rotation in, in college radio, right? Um, You know what? I didn't know who Coldplay was, <laughs> and then... My girlfriend at the time said, I got tickets to this band called Coldplay and we're going. And we went, I went with a bunch of people. Um, I think one of our mutual friends, Lily, was there. Um, and then that concert like blew me away. Aside from like the six foot four guy yelling all the lyrics into my ear, like who I didn't know. But that was, so the that was amazing. The year their album, their debut album comes out, you see them live? Yeah, like when they went, whenever they, they finally toured around. So it was either like 2000 or 2001, like around that time when they came out. Like, so when, when that was awesome. Oh my like, God. I like, I'm getting goosebumps <laughs> remembering it now, honestly. Um, but that song, it was funny because they explained to what the song Yellow was to them, why they wrote it. And he said, I, I don't know if maybe he changed it over 20 years, but he said it was because they're the band that enjoys cocaine. And so they went to go to the streets after a concert to buy cocaine from some shady guy. And when he gave it to them and they he left, they opened it up. It was yellow. Okay, that, That's, can't, that can't be real, but... But that's I'm, I'm like i'm not making this up so it's like basically you're saying the story yellow is them getting swindled over like mustard powder when they thought it was cocaine um and then he ends it with because that's the type of band we are um you know but I, it could be you know he did i ruin this for you no no but i'm like <laughs> immediately after we're done i'm gonna go read the lyrics and now i'm gonna see <laughs> if it makes sense that it's cocaine <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just the mood, like Mellow Yellow. It's <laughs> <laughs> a tribute to Mellow Yellow. Oh, Jesus, Peter. So far, you have connected two of these people directly to you. My God. You just, literally the same way. Like, oh, yeah, I saw them too. 
<laughs> yeah, I saw Tito Puente before he died, and I saw Coldplay when they came up. What's what's what's, what's the big, big deal? deal. <laughs> Did everybody? <laughs> what about you, Gabe? I'll, I'll be honest. Oh. I can't like both for both those things. Those were things my girlfriend at the time bought me tickets for. Like so, if anything, like I'm I'm not trying to brag about that, but like. She's all like, you were in Puerto Rico, right? You like Spanish music. <laughs> Connecting the dots. Uh, what about you, Gabe? How was that, your introduction to Coldplay? I, I'm sure I just, it was hearing them on the radio at some point, probably later, because I, I hadn't really started like listening to music broadly at this point. Yeah, I don't have any really strong opinions one way or the other. Hmm. Wow. Well. I guess we'll leave it at that then. A non-Coldplay believer, apparently. <laughs> I do want to. I do want to check out Yellow now, based on that story. It, I mean, That's worth anything. <laughs> if it connects, man, oh, that's gonna be amazing when I read those lyrics and go, okay, because you know, like you think about, I when I think about like cocaine songs, I think I go to the source. I go to Eric Clapton. He just put it on Front Street, cocaine. If you want to party yeah. <laughs> with me, bring it out. Cocaine, you know. Okay. <laughs> like, there was no, there was no innuendo. He's all like, "Cocaine, guys. <laughs> this is how we party. When you're party with me, cocaine." You know. So yeah, that's why I'm like, ah, oh, there's innuendo. These young kids, these, these Generation Xers here. The the other album. So this band did not come out. This is an '80s band, but the album "All That You Can't Leave Behind" by U2 comes out in 2000. Now, the reason why I put this on here, because two years later, I'm in Iraq, and this is one of the CDs that I have with me, and I listen to this almost once a day the entire time, you know? Uh, so, yeah, it, like it's an album that got me through a very heavy time that now it's like, you know, it's just, it's connected to me that way. But also, U2 was a great band, you know, they, I think, I don't think they stopped really making good music until like... Maybe. Well, I don't think they have. They they're just they've always been. A, a, they started out punkish, right? Alternative, and then they ended up in adult contemporary. I think that's where they're at now. And I think this was a nice in between adult contemporary and like alternative. But no, again, one of these. I think two songs from here I don't like, but for the most part, I think it's a it's a it's an amazing album. And that's why I put it here because I like because it means something to me. Do either of you have any? Peter, did you go see them when they? <laughs> I did. I did not. I did not. Are you aware of this album? I couldn't get tickets. Yeah, yeah, my girlfriend got it for me. At the... No, kidding about that. My girlfriend actually bought me this album. Um... I was gonna say, couldn't? Wouldn't it be she couldn't get tickets? <laughs> Gabe, what was your experience with uh, with uh, YouTube, YouTube Radio, all that you can't I leave behind? I think I only really heard them when they were already in more of the adult contemporary. And so, like, it did not jive because I was neither adult nor contemporary at that point. No, you weren't. You were... So I wasn't the target audience. Okay. Great album, though. Great album. So the deep cut for me is a band called At The Drive-In. And their album, Relationship of Command, came out in, nine, in 2000. It is, to this day, one of the greatest albums I've ever heard. Near perfect from beginning to end. 
just an amazing, amazing album. Have either of you heard of the band? Have either of you heard of this album? No. Both of you? No. All right, then. Well, after this, I will send you a link so you can listen to it. Just a, a phenomenal band. The, two of the members from this band ended up uh, moving on to the band... Um, the Mars Volta was the band that they formed from from the from the at the drive-in. Um, but yeah, no, this is this is uh, again one of the greatest albums I've ever heard in my life. I hope the link is of you singing it later. All the, the whole <laughs> all album. the entire songs, which <laughs> <laughs> already been pre-prepared. Like he was ready for this. He already that was a project long since completed. Now's his chance to shine. All right, moving on to Tekken. Oh, go ahead. No, I do I do celebrate the Mars Volta. Oh, interesting. Well, then you would like them. Uh, Moving on to Tekken Toys. The Razor Kick Scooter comes out in 2000. Which is what we know now. It's just the scooter. Over 5 million units were sold in the first six months following the launch of the scooter in 2000. It was named Toy of the Year that same year. Who, who Who nominates those? I wonder. What, what governing body? What authority? You know, you could, you could, you could just do it, and then people would have to believe you. But yeah, like I was never uh, in two thousand. I was too cool. Definitely did not have a scooter, uh, and I don't think I've ever owned one or written one. But I, I mean, you still, you know, you you started seeing them in skate park later on. They start doing flips and stuff. It was crazy what it is now, and now electric scooters. Uh, but yeah, these came out in two thousand. Either of you ever partook in a razor scooter? I would ride scooters when we visited my cousins on the Central Coast, but this was older. This was like un- uncool scooters, like f- fixed, not folding, like clunk, like bulkier. Oh, not, so uh, it was like a board with two tires on it yeah, and, like and, a, and, a, and a handle. And a handle. <laughs> so like it wasn't. It was before the time of, of Razor. Like I've 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 ridden them a couple of times, but I never had one. My shins have never been completely mauled by trying to do a thing on them so no i mean definitely saw a lot of them witnessed the phenomena the toy of the year in action yeah (laughs) this is closely related to that but not not very there was a time when um flicks flicks trick toys were a thing do either of you know what flicks flicks tricks toys are is that like the the fingerboards? Yes. Fingerboards and finger yeah. BMX bikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had whole sets. I've never seen the finger BMX bikes. Whole I've sets, ramps, and everything. And you would just like, and then do flips and everything with your fingers. That was a thing in 2000. That was when it launched. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> they were like, well, Y2K didn't happen, so I guess here's here's finger bikes. But you know, now that you say that, it sounds about right. Like, didn't Tony Hawk's video game come out in the late 90s? There was that yeah. revival of like skateboarding for a minute. Yeah, so that... no, I mean, it definitely like skateboarding got more popular at that point. When did uh, when did X Games start? Mid nineties, ninety five, ninety six, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and then the other uh, toy that we'll talk about is the Lego and Steven Spielberg movie maker set comes out in two thousand. This allows children ages 8 to 16 to bring their Lego world to life. It included a PC movie camera, kit-friendly editing software, and more than 400 Lego pieces and props, and a book of movie-making tips and tricks from Steven Spielberg. One of the top toys of 2000. 
was making wow. your own Lego movies. I Lego did not know this existed. I had heard of it, yeah. That's amazing. Like the birth of vlogging. Yeah, I mean, right. why didn't anybody start a Lego vlogging site at the time? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I don't want to be on camera, but I'll let my Legos be on camera. Takes too long. Right, Just imagining. Bandwidth limitations, too. <laughs> this is 2000. <laughs> That dial-up, like huh? A, like a like a point three megapixel camera. I don't know, like how good that camera was gonna be. That's true. That's good true. enough. I mean, the 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 pieces you're using are already pixelated, so it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, also. But I mean, it was a PC movie camera, so specifically, you know, like it wasn't like the handheld. It must have been better. Uh, with the time we have left, we'll close it off with some celebrity gossip from 2000. Yeah. Uh, J-Lo and P. Diddy are a couple in 2000. That was a thing. I think he was responsible for that dress, that green dress with the with the swoop. We Boy, should all thank nice. him. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the next two I will mention because... Do you guys remember the movie American Pie? Yep. Came out in yep. 99, I believe. But... The actors from that movie for the next five years are like top of their game. So in 2000, Carson Daly, one of the top MTV VJs, was that is that a correct thing to say about? Him? Yeah, was dating Tara yeah. Reid, who was one of the stars of American Pie, and Katie wow. Katie Holmes was dating Chris Klein, also another one of the stars from wow. American Pie. Yeah, both of them did uh, well for themselves, even though I don't think we've heard of Kevin Chris Klein since and tara reed had her her issues sharknado oh she did have sharknado, sharknado. yeah she, i forgot about that the, the franchise Chris Klein was in chris klein was in um street fighter the legend of chun lee with Kristen crook was he <laughs> was he ken <laughs> he was a he was a jaded investigator trying to track down m bison so he wasn't even at one of the characters. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember That's playing correct. Jaded Investigator when I was doing Kansas <laughs> Select. He was next to he was next to um Blanca. <laughs> he, he was off screen, so you had to go right it after was a Blanca. character. <laughs> yeah, he was a hidden character. If you if you have a chance, uh, I can't even recommend it, but uh, if you have a chance, you should check it out. I saw it. I saw it on a plane, on a plane ride. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, and and I kept looking around, like even though I was the one selecting it, like I kept looking around, like imagining someone else happened to be watching it at the same time as me, to like, like, are you guys? Did you guys see this? Like, you should check out on YouTube um, the Chris Klein, all the Chris Klein speaking parts to that movie. There's that exists. It's good. <laughs> good I, I swear it's worth three minutes of your time oh, perfect he, he had a whole, and and he gets royalties right if he had lines i mean good for him yep cashing yep. in on that. that's why he didn't want to be one of the fighters he wanted to have a speaking part so he could get that money thoughts on the year 2000 pete what uh what do you think about the stuff we learned about 2000 today no you know what uh let's let's not sleep on um john cho who was in american pie right He's oh, the milk guy. He was. Damn. Right? Good cut, man. Yeah. That was that's 
that's him, right? And you're like, wow, an Asian guy that has lines in an American movie. That like that was me feeling proud at that moment, right? Um, but uh, and there was that, and of course Jason Biggs. Yeah, he did. You know, he did forget him. Well, I think the most successful person out of American Pie was um, Sean William Scott. I want to say his name is right. Yeah, Stifler. Yeah, Stifler. He ended up in the in the rundown with The Rock. Then he he took off like role models. Like he did decent uh, up yeah. until like uh, he, had, he had his son. Yeah. He did. Jason Biggs tried. Unfortunately, he didn't. He didn't stick around as long. But I think he was a success story. Got all buff and stuff. Oh. Actually, connected to Cho Young Fat, he did Bulletproof Monk with Cho Young Fat, right? Yeah, he did. There you Damn. go. Damn. See, this is what this show is about. Connecting. Connections. <laughs> Pre-plan all this. What about you, Gabe? Thoughts on 2000? Uh, you know, it's funny because it it's an interesting time. Um, and it, it was interesting for none of the reasons people thought it might be. It was, uh, you know, it was, it was just all the other things that happened. Like the uh, finger bikes. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. I think I think that I can't wait to talk about 99 so we can talk about Y2K. Uh, but I think people forgot about Y2K by noon of New Year's Day. Like, yeah. yeah once, once the nukes didn't launch, once, planes didn't fall. Once computers updated and the time changed, I think everybody was all like, what? Okay, I guess it's Start 2000 now. the 100-gallon yeah. jugs. <laughs> Start drinking. <laughs> <laughs> all right well peter uh it's so good to see you man uh thank you for coming on the show uh the show like it's a like it's a real thing because it is right now peter there is a listener um who started listening to us on episode 50 and decided to go back to the first episodes to catch up and he is right there right now listening to this going man this is how it was in the beginning before they got good <laughs> Uh, but thanks for th <laughs> thanks for coming maybe on, man. Maybe he's coming back from episode 100. <laughs> <laughs> that puts that puts him in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> to that listener in 2024, right now. Hello. <laughs> but yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. Dude. It was really great to hang out and see you. Um, this is why I do this for myself. <laughs> Actually, fun fact, Peter. So back way back in the day, like 13 years ago, 11 years ago, I had another podcast and Peter, I think, was on it at least three times. So then that one, we would get drunk and uh, and make fun of people because it was a limited audience that we were there for. So we didn't have to actually worry about anything except for making sure we hit record and then stop and save. But yeah, that's how far Peter and I go back. Probably same microphone, Pete. <laughs> I think it's the same one. <laughs> You have a better setup now. I mean, technology. I mean, you know, USB exists now, I think. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll see you next week.